where you're so remote and you become this like animalistic version of yourself. And then when you get to the finish line, usually they're around, like I always know when I'm about to finish a race because it's usually around a more beginner hiker friendly. And suddenly you see somebody in like sandals with a diet coat and you're like, we are not in the same world right now. Hey, and welcome back to the next episode of Trail Tips. So I talk about this with Alyssa when she's here, but we have special guest Alyssa Clark because Tori is on maternity leave. So if you don't follow her on Instagram, go give her a congrats on that. So we had so many fun questions today, primarily around off-season training, but we talk about digestion and running and digestion issues while running and we talk about cross training on the bike and just down season in general and what that should look like and if you should still run at all and how much your mileage should be and if you should have speed. So we got a lot of really good questions on that. And then we also had a fun question for a beginner doing their first 7K race. So a pretty fun distance there. So um, Alyssa Clark is an absolutely fabulous runner if you don't know who she is and she's a coach as well. So you can contact either one of us if you are looking for a coach to start gearing up for next season. And I will link to all of her stuff in the show notes as well. Uh, her list of accolades is super impressive. So if you follow her on Theory in Motion and Instagram, you can see all the amazing races that she usually just crushes the field at. So other things, thank you everyone who's leaving rating and reviews and who is following us on our new Instagram at Trail Running women pod that's where i'm trying to get all the running stuff together so that we can well so that i can stay organized because there's lots of um, guest ideas that come in and all of that stuff so it's nice to have it all in one place so thank you for following us there if you follow us on patreon i did a solo bonus episode on running pregnant with second baby link to that is in the podcast or sorry the instagram as well if you want to find that patreon and yeah, it's just a little bit different this time. And so going into my next race next weekend with Andy actually in Las Vegas, where it was supposed to be 20 degrees Celsius, which for you Americans is warm. Uh, should I do the conversion right now? I should. Okay, so it's not warm, but it's beautiful. It's 70 degrees. And then the day that we get there, it changes to four which is 39 degrees. So it goes down to like colder than it is in Canada. So we're not impressed with that. But anyways, Andy and I are going to do an episode together on that one. And I'll be 18 weeks and it'll be super fun because it's way different terrain than uh, what we're used to. So some fun desert running with, yeah, just different. Um, so yeah, all of that stuff, super fun, super exciting. And the last thing that we did want to talk about in the intro um, was what happened recently at Whistler Alpine Meadows to Gary Robbins. And I'm sure you've heard of it if you're in the running world. And I was going to talk a lot about it now, but Alyssa and I do get into it in the end of the episode. So I'll leave most of my thoughts for there. But we've done, we talked about that race so much. We spoke to Linda, Katie, myself, Tara, Tori, and that race meant so much to our local community. And um, they all basically said that they couldn't get the the permits to Gary and they had to cancel it and it turned out to be sort of a backhanded way to get UTMB to buy this race to host on the same weekend in the same location um, for more money as sort of a money grab and to make it corporate. So obviously the running community has been super upset about that. It is 
just not okay. It's sleazy and it's gross and we don't support it at all. So yeah, you can hear all of our thoughts at the end of this, but I will link to Gary's blog in the show notes so you guys can read up on it and make your decisions about whether or not if you're in BC, you would run that race or if you'll support Gary's race that he is going to create that happens to be on the same weekend. Or UTMB could just do the right thing and give him Whistler back, which would be absolutely amazing. And then we would all run it in support. So that's where we're at with that. I'm going to leave all of that there. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast and a trail tips edition with our special guest coach back in action with us. Welcome to the show, Alyssa Clark. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, of course. So for those of you that don't know, part of the reason we are having special guests is because Tori just had her baby. So if you weren't following on her Instagram, surprise, she was pregnant for a while and now she's a mom. So congrats. Shout out to Tori and Danny for their little baby girl. Woohoo! Another addition to the trail running woman uh, cult. We'll call it that. <laughs> yeah, it's so good because I just found out my second kid is another boy. So I'm contributing <laughs> not not enough females to our to our clan here. <laughs> You're contributing strong supporters, though. We'll say that. You're right. And we do have male listeners and male guests. And when we do have them on, they're people that come so highly recommended that so many people come out of the woodwork like, oh my gosh, I have met this person in real life and they are such an amazing human being. Like namely Scott, who we just had on, and then also Pete from Australia, who was a while ago. But they're just like this epic energy that's supporting like both male and female runners. So anyways, yeah, shout out to everybody, including my male children. <laughs> As I was saying before the show, I got up at way too early and didn't sleep. So I'm, I'm off the rocker. So let's get an update with you. First of all, I mean, I don't think we spoke since Dragon's Back. So I mean, that's a few months ago now, but last time you were on the show, you were kind of gearing up for that. So huge congrats. Um, brief rundown. How'd it go? How are you feeling? Oh man. Um, you know, I discovered that it's very challenging to do a race that you have DNF before because a lot of the time you spend, or at least, uh, I wasn't able to separate 2019 Alyssa from 2023 Alyssa as effectively as I thought I would. So I spent a lot of time with, uh, demons on my shoulder. Uh, watching me comparing myself to what happened and it turns out I had a much better three days when I raced in 2019 than I did in 2023 but uh the nice thing with 2023 is I kept going uh after the kind of rough start so I actually would say Dragon's Back overall really wasn't a particularly good race for me it was a real struggle and that's not to say parts of it didn't go well and that's not to say it's not an incredible race it is but from a mental standpoint I don't think I handled it as well as I could um I was definitely due for a bad quote-unquote bad race or a race that struggled and you know the nice thing with stage racing is I did have a, a couple of days or at least parts of days that were great so I kind of got my bad days of racing within the uh whole realm of a stage race so six days and 
I feel like I can cross that off the list for a little bit and keep going. But it was very, very friggin' hard. <laughs> As we do. That's, that's so interesting. Like it never would have occurred to me that being out there, I mean, I guess that course is pretty remote too. So it's almost impossible not to see kind of the the past self there. But were you expecting that to happen at all? No, I wasn't. Certainly not to the extent. I mean, so I dropped out on day four in 2019. And the night of day three, I was really, um, really emotional and just not in a great mental headspace. And then when I passed the place that I had dropped on day four, it was like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And when I got into camp four that night, I just started sobbing. I was like, oh my, like, maybe I'm going to make it. But I think that the reason these races are so challenging also is that, I mean, anything can happen. Like you can roll your ankle, break your ankle, drop out for so many reasons. It's just that hard of a race. And so I actually did not believe I was going to finish it until I was running through uh, the bike, basically on a bike path with half a mile to go, like staring at the castle going, oh, I'm going to finish this. And I had some dude fly past me with about 5k left and I was still in survival mode. And I went, Alyssa, get your button gear, like, you know, start moving. <laughs> this You're almost there. So it's just, uh, it was a real mental um, battle because you are just in it. I almost think a continuous race is not easier. It's different because the stage race, you're just in the pressure cooker for six days straight and you do do not get a break, even if you're quote unquote resting in camp. Yeah, that so much of that I can relate to. And I feel like people who have, you know, DNF'd um, a certain race. Actually, I'm speaking to someone coming up who's DNF'd bear a few years in a row. And I'm interested to ask her about this same feeling where it's really hard not to kind of get stuck in that old pattern. So that's interesting that you said that. And then also I remember chatting with Katie after her dragon's back and it was the same thing where, yeah, when you're in a hundred miler, you're just like, okay, I'm in it. And the day after day, actually also tennis tournaments are very similar because they're about seven days long and you have games and not the same physical pain, but sometimes you have a game and then a day of work in between and then another match. And this idea of being 100% focused and then kind of coming out of it for a second and trying to relax and then get focused again is freaking exhausting. And there's no way to know what that's going to feel like. And it's this like whole other side to competing where it's really hard to float in and out of 100% focus. And then also just the type of terrain you're on, your feet pain and everything. And like, you're not just numbed out continuing because you're at max amount of pain. Like you've got to get there again every single day. Yeah. I mean, that was the interesting thing is that the last few mornings I was like, okay, just got to get through the first couple miles of uh, readjusting to this pain level again. Um, yeah. And the other thing with Dragon's Back is, you know, with a with a regular, I quote, say quote unquote regular 100 mile, you have a crew that in pacers potentially who are all thinking for you and acting for you. And in Dragon's Back, yes, there is an amazing group of volunteers, but they're not doing it for you. So you come into camp and, and if you just sit there doing nothing and not thinking, 
you are wasting sleep time, recovery time. And so by night four, five, it is so challenging to keep your focus level because you just want to sit there and do nothing. And that is not what you need to do. You need to stay on a schedule. And so I just found that the mental fatigue of it sounds so basic, but taking care of yourself and doing what you need to do, that really started to wear as well. Yeah, for sure. And then also I think afterwards, the coming back to real life when you've been in this like fantasy land for a full week is probably challenging too. Yeah. And Cardiff is a huge city. I mean, massive. There is people going out in, you know, tight, skimpy clothing and uh, just like partying and stuff. And I remember walking out of the castle after I finished, I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then also you're such a grotesque human being. Like you don't follow, you know, normal human social norms of like, don't just burp whenever you want to, you know, all of that stuff. And you come out, you're like, oh yeah, I can't be gross anymore. (laughs) I have to follow. Like, I'm sure everybody can relate to this. When you do a like say a circle route or even a point to point where you're so remote and you become this like animalistic version of yourself. And then when you get to the finish line, usually they're around, like I always know when I'm about to finish a race because it's usually around a more beginner hiker friendly. And suddenly you see somebody in like sandals with a diet Coke and you're like, we are not in the same world right now, but they have gone like half a mile and you've come like through the forest and you're like, am I just a gremlin to this person stinking and like just totally weird? Totally. And honestly, that is always how I judge how close I am to the finish of things is yeah. by the the hikers that I see. If I, you know, you see a full on trail run and you're like, darn it, I could be so far away. And then you start, it's like, okay, probably the two-year-old isn't going much more than like, I mean, maybe your two-year-old, well, he's now no 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 even that i was gonna say as soon as you see a kid you're like oh i'm somewhere near civilization yeah yeah we're good (laughs) that's so funny actually and so this whole conversation is a really great segue into today and obviously we have questions that are kind of all over the place but our main theme since it's november 1st 2nd ish is off season and how that plays a role in your running in general and i think races like this are such a good reminder speaking to you on a personal level, like about, cause you were talking about doing Thailand for a little bit, if we're allowed to get into that and then wondering maybe it's not the right time. And it's like, when you rehash this briefly and think this was only a few months ago, like there's so much, so many layers that you have to back away from in order to come back stronger and better. So I'm glad all of our questions are around that. And do you feel kind of like, the intenseness of Dragon's Back is playing a role in your thoughts around off-season? It definitely is. And, you know, it wasn't just Dragon's Back. I then, gosh, three weeks later, flew to Hawaii to do 550Ks on, and ended up being three because we didn't go to Maui, three Hawaiian islands. Uh, So that was not uh, unnoteworthy, we'll say, in terms of I was not just I've not just been recovering since Dragon's Back. I, you know, put down another multi-day and it was much more relaxed. It was not a race. It was just a kind of an event I've been involved with for a few years. Um, But that definitely contributed of just another, you know, waking up at three something in the morning and going and running a 50K for five days. Uh, But yeah, I think it's easy 
I think where I was falling into the comparison trap is that I have a lot of friends who raced UTMB or one of the UTMB races and they're looking at doing a December race and some of them ran CCC, some of them ran UTMB. I'm like, you cannot compare and not that UTMB isn't a big effort. It is, but I kept being like, oh, well, if they're fine, I should be fine. It's like, no, listen, you did six days in a row of anywhere from nine to 12 hours of running. That is not the same as a hundred miler. And so I think I was getting caught up in, oh, I've got one more good hundred miler in me. I should go for a golden ticket. And I am still honestly not entirely convinced that Western States is the race for me. I think I really want to do it, but I think I was also falling into the trap of, um, I must do, you know, the biggest races possible because that's what I'm supposed to do next. And so I think just taking a step back and going, but uh, honestly, Thailand was just so overwhelming to me in terms of travel. I've traveled a lot this year. I'm really grateful for that. Um, I do still feel like there is some, I, I'm itching to do something fun. I, before I kind of close out the year, cause I am taking, the winter to basically just ski and ice climb and not really run that much um, because I am gearing up for a pretty big year next year. But I don't that I realize that whatever that fun effort, honestly, I'm thinking about like, yeah, maybe an FKT or a more local race or something along those lines um, is that I think oftentimes we just get caught up in the distance where it's like, well, why does it matter of a hundred miler or a hundred K that's in say, you know, a four or five hour drive versus a hundred miler in Thailand? Well, that's a massive, massive difference of commitment. And so I'm not unphysically ready to do one more effort. My coach is like, yeah, you could probably do one more good effort on the year and be okay. But the extra elements of travel, et cetera, like that hundred miler is not in Thailand for me. Um, that's also to say I haven't figured out what that is and I may not do anything. I haven't really decided. Sorry, this is a little bit rambly, but I do think I, I actually have not taken really any downtime since almost, gosh, a really long time ago. Like thinking back, um, almost two years, which it's not to say I haven't had easier periods, but I started training pretty hard in winter 2022. Then that rolled into a couple of races, rolled into, um, I was supposed to do TDS. That didn't happen because of COVID. Went straight into Moab, then got into Hurt, straight into Hurt, and then straight into this year's racing season. So really my coach was like, you need to just, you know, this winter not be a runner. Cause we see Jim Walmsley took a bunch of time off and then one UTMB, I think Zach Miller took quite a bit of time off in the winter. Um, I think Courtney has kind of a chiller, whatever that means for her season. Like she just ran with her mom. And I don't think off season means, sorry, wow, we're really getting into it. I don't think off season means you don't have to run. But I do think you have to take the pressure off of yourself from being at the sharp end because you can't stay at the sharp end. I mean, I've known this since 
Um, I was in high school, like when I was at a ski academy, the spring was for fun. You know, we biked, we played lacrosse and you have to have a downtime for your brain. Uh, I think for the, like, that's one of the biggest aspects of it is you just have to give yourself permission to have fun and play because then it's so much more meaningful when you get into the harder workouts. I'm really personally not great at that because part of my play and joy is running. There's nothing I think that's more fun than being up in the mountains. It's why I was really not supposed to run a ton this week and shocker, I have been running, but it's all for fun. It's not hard running. It's just like, hey, I feel like exploring this area happens to be on my two feet, but I am doing a lot more straight training. My abs actually really hurt today, which is a good thing. Um, so yeah, I think off season in off season can mean a few weeks. It can mean a month. It can mean two months. It is not, I think, a chance per se to be like, I'm not going to do any physical exercise. I think that's pretty detrimental. Also, I hope that just a healthy lifestyle, you want to do something, but it should feel very different from your normal routine. That got way into it. Sorry. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by AG1. So now that you guys know that I am pregnant, there are a few ingredients that aren't suggested by doctors. So definitely chat with your own doctor if you are pregnant as well. But for now, I'm just going to talk about my husband's experience since he gets all of the AG1 that we had in the house. And I will definitely start taking it again postpartum. So we did get questions today about digestion and I think one thing that is really key for digestion and making sure that you have all the probiotics and prebiotics and all the details that you don't maybe get in just one single probiotic pill is to drink AG1. I also think because it is a liquid it's more bioavailable and way easier to absorb into your gut so I highly recommend taking AG1 because it is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your entire body, but the gut optimi optimization and stress management is so huge. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support that bodies need daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com backslash TRWP. That's drinkag1.com backslash TRWP to check it out. <laughs> you really went for it there, but it's great because I agree with all of those points and I should have been taking notes, but one thing, even as a hockey player growing up, I always kind of thought it didn't make sense to me, people who went straight into spring hockey and then into power skating when that's the time you should hang up your skates and play baseball. And it also develops other muscles and other neural pathways for hand-eye and things that will actually make you better at your A sport. And I think running is the same. You hop on the bike for a bit and we have a question about that. You get some strength training. And if you never give yourself the time to get stronger and to totally heal and like you said, to mentally get excited about it again, you don't know what you're missing. And I think what happens sometimes um like you just said, you really started going at it at 2022. So 
that's a long time, but it's also not a crazy amount of time. So it's like, maybe you could get away with continuing for a bit longer, but eventually your body's going to find a way to be like, okay, you're done for a bit now. So it's a way of preserving and continuing to go stronger as well. But I do think we should get into questions because we're already like halfway into our allotted time. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So let's start with number two, because I think that that really goes with what you were just saying. So it's just going to continue on. So somebody, um, Shannon K wrote in and said, I love this topic. I was just wondering about navigating this and it's sort of a boring question, but obviously it's not, but if I was running 40 to 50 miles a week in the summer and ran two 50 K races, what should my down or off season look like? How long? And she has in brackets, September to March does not have to be that long. And what about base mileage? And should I add in any speed work or just went run when I feel like it? Um, and sort of, that's a lot of kind of what you just touched on. But if an athlete that you coached asked this question, what kind of guidance would you give them? Well, I was actually going to turn it to you first since I just went on that diatribe. So do you want to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Touche. You know what? I think I would say a lot of what you did and I wouldn't be able to give a hard answer that says, okay, so now from November until March, let's do X. I think I would start by working backwards and say, okay, so are there any races that really make you feel excited for next year? And if they are say June or July, and it's a 50K. So we want you to be back to 40 or 50 miles by, say, the beginning of May, end of April. So maybe in March, we want to be at 30 miles. So that if we work backwards again, you could say like November and December, you could cross train and run once a week if you feel like it, I think. And then I think if we started in January, we could still build back up to where that felt comfortable. And much to what you said, it's hugely mental. So if you're running, say, once a week, because that's kind of what feels good and you have Fridays off or something random, um, and then a friend wants to go do a hike or a jog on another day, by all means, because that is your play. That's something fun. But if you are like, okay, it's freezing cold and it's raining and I would rather go to the gym and do some hit workouts that have a couple sprints on a treadmill and that's how you get your running in, I think that's great too. And these are, this is recreational. So obviously someone who's a pro runner is going to do more and needs to stay more efficient with that particular engine. But I really think you could just let your body choose for you and then start again if you have enough time to build up safely to kind of where we want our base mileage to be to get ready for your next races. I think you're going to heal and I think you're going to get stronger and I think it would be really fun. Thoughts, concerns? Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. That's exactly what I would say. Just thinking about that speed work part of this is that if you find yourself dragging going to a track, being like, well, I said I was going to do speed work in the off seat. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the biggest indicators. I, I mean, I can tell when my brain's like, I'm training right now. And it's easy to slip back into that and be like, well, I just, this is just what I do. And so I would just say, be very honest with yourself of, do I want to do this run? Because I think it's going to be fun. I'm exploring, having fun. And, oh, I'm going to throw in a little sprint here. Just, just cause. 
that's great if you find, oh, I have to sprint for this mile or, oh, I'm going to do some mile repeats today. And then you're on mile two and go, wow, I don't want to do this right now. Then stop doing it. Um, yeah, yeah, actually one note on that, that I've given some athletes that I've done too, which I think is fun. Assess, whoa, especially if you are a trail runner is every once in a while, even on your run, one run per week, be like, oh, this is going to be a natural fart lick. So I'm going to pick a tree that I'm going to pick up the pace to. It doesn't have to be an all out sprint. I'm just going to run moderately hard. And then I'm going to pick a mini hill that I'm going to sprint up. And then I'm going to pick a downhill. I'm going to go down to like a certain rock and it can be just completely random just to get a, some variation in there too. Absolutely. I love doing those. It's I fun. think that they, yeah, it is fun, especially on trails. And, you know, I think yeah. there's tons of other ways, depending on where you live, that you can get a fun aerobic workout that does not have to be running. You can go ski touring, you can go cross country skiing um, that will leave you tired. Cause I totally understand this element Excuse me. For me, I like the feeling of a good day out, you know, where you come back, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat all the snacks and I'm tired. And that just felt like a really fun, awesome day in the mountains. And that doesn't have to be from running. That can be from a bunch of different activities that can give you that sense of accomplishment that I think a big day running also feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Skiing is such a great one. And, and that is part of the hard part about taking a down week is you get so addicted or an off season because you get so addicted to that feeling. So, but the other thing is too, like I've had some half an hour workouts that were so hard and then just taking the dog for a walk that I've been like, okay, that was a completely different set of muscles and energy systems that I worked out, but almost had that same feeling, maybe not quite the same level of fatigue, but yeah, there's lots of creative ways to get it for sure. Awesome. Yeah, okay. I would say I would also just add, as you said, that I don't think that you need to be like from November 21st to March 18th, I will take an off season. I think it can be a lot more fluid than that. It could just be more rest days. Like I'm bad in the summer if it's sunny out to be like, oh, I'm going to rest today, but I'm not because it's super nice. And I will find that even in a month, I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I have a couple times where I take two days off in a row or one of them is yoga, which sounds like not very much, but if you're big into this, it's pretty challenging. And then the runs after that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm flying. And it's so easy. And it like is such an eye opener of how important even a little bit of rest is. So it could be just more rest days in your weeks. And if you're looking for a specific number, like 10, 20 miles a week, like if you're at 40 or 50 in your peak, I think is totally fine. Should we move on? Sounds good. Okay. So I forgot to put this person's name in. I think it was Jen, but I might be wrong. And so sometimes they come from Instagram where I just see an Instagram handle. So that's my excuse. Okay. Hello, I saw you're accepting questions about training. I've recently started getting into the sport and I hope to run a 7K in December. What are your, what are any general training tips for beginners that are looking to prep for a race? Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this podcast so much. That's fun because that's like new to the sport beginner question. I love that. Yeah. And what a fun distance. Staying away from the 5K. <laughs> I feel like 5K, yeah. you just go, uh... <laughs> 
it is fun. And in the trails, like depends on the elevation. It could be challenging in December. It could be wet and ugly. Like you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess my first thing would be, um, if you are able to get on the terrain that your race is on, that's super helpful. Just so you understand what you're getting yourself into. Maybe, you know, you do a 3k on the trail and then 4k another day. Uh, so just understanding the uh, terrain, uh, getting shoes that really work for you, that you feel confident in, that have good traction. Um, trying to think, practicing, you know, are you going to bring a handheld? Is there a an aid station? Uh, what do you think your time will be? Do you need to bring a snack? Those are all things that would come to my mind. Also, do you feel confident going to a race? I don't know if you're going alone, if you're bringing family, but I know it can be really intimidating to go to a race, uh, especially if it's your first one alone. So maybe recruiting a friend to do it with you or recruiting your family to come be at the finish line for you. Um, so I think just comfort, getting comfortable, making sure you have the right equipment, um, if you can get out on the terrain and just feeling confident that you can cover the majority of the time that you think that you'll be out on trail. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that you are on trail for that time. Just like, hey, I know I can run, walk, move for X amount of time that I think will be similar to uh, the 7K. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good tip about bringing in a friend because even now I find it's intimidating to go to a race. So plan out. If you can get your pack a day early, that probably will alleviate some stress on the morning when you're like not sure what the pre-race thing is going to look like. As far as training for it tips, like I think what I would do is just consistency is probably key, like even two or three times a week and they don't have to be long. Like you're, if you did three times a week, two of them could be just like 20 minutes and then one on the weekend that was, like Alyssa said, closer to your trail type terrain and it can be a walk jog and just being out there for a bit longer. But instead of trying to do like one long day or one try to get up to that 7K, like doing more days per week probably is going to get you feeling more comfortable with it. Um and then if you're totally brand new, yeah, 7K can feel like a, a long way. So feel totally free and normal to do a walk jog in training and even in the race. And that's kind of a good way too to like settle in if you did a five-minute jog, one-minute walk per se in the race. If it's hilly, then that'll be kind of happen naturally anyways. You can just power hike the uphills. And if you start to feel tired, like just walk for a bit and then jog again when you feel good. It's a lot about kind of exploring how you're going to feel at that distance, I think, on your first one and a lot of learning. So the expectations don't have to be crazy. Like you just get to see what you liked and see what you changed and try to just enjoy it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that that's one of the one of the aspects that I try to impart on my athletes is when you are tackling new distance, new train, you know, anything that is unknown and of course every race is unknown but really unknown with distance etc to focus a lot less on outcome you know oh, i have to finish in this time or i have to and i say when i said time before i meant just an approximate idea of 
I think that it will take approximately this long just so you know, so you can train for that time. But if it takes you longer, just approach it with a really open mind of exploration and curiosity over beating yourself up if it's not exactly because you have no idea. And that's awesome. You have no preconceived notions, uh, which I think, unfortunately, after you run a certain distance, it can often feel like, oh, well, I did that race at that time. Um, so just go into it and have fun and and let the experience be the guide over the outcome. That is such a good point, And you are so right. The first few races you do are the funnest because you have nothing to compare it to. So it, you're just like the wild card out there. And it, yeah, it's just going to be however you feel. And so really enjoy that because I think back on my first few races at each distance and those are some of my fondest memories because it was so much just of this like mind blowing, like, oh my God, I was three hours off what I thought this was going to take me or um, obviously that was for a longer one, but it's really fun to go out there and learn a lot about yourself and then you can dial it in later. But this one is just so much fun. Totally. Okay. The third question I'm going to read and then I'm going to have you answer first because as we talked about before the show, it was... um. We both had the same initial reaction, but obviously it hits home for you quite a bit harder. Okay, here we go. Hey, Hillary and Tori, which is a fair mistake to make. It's illicit today. I love the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for continuing the awesome work and community build. I have a question for an upcoming pod. I've been a runner for many years and still cannot figure out how to dial in on bathroom issues. I have a routine I follow and times of day that are better for running, but still sometimes have to make a quick duck off the trail. I've tried nutrition, hydration, as I know this can have a huge effect, but yet still often am finding the nearest tree or washroom. I know it's a common running problem and often very personalized, but I appreciate if you can shed any insight or tips. I find the regular stops frustrating at times and super stressful at races, no doubt. Thanks so much for listening to my vulnerable question. Um, 100%. I understand this. Yeah, it's so I have ulcerative colitis. I had my colon removed when I was 14. And actually how I discovered that this was all happening was I was doing a walk, jog, fun run thing with my mom when I was 10 years old. And I kept having to duck into the woods and just going all the time. And we discovered that that was not normal, that there was actually probably something very wrong. And that's not to say that you are necessarily dealing with something as extremely wrong as I was, but this was exactly it. I would go to the bathroom all the time while I was running, and it turned out that I actually had an autoimmune disease. So I would say that, yes, there is an element of uh, you know, runners, trots, et cetera, that happens with runners, the nervous poop before the race, et cetera. But if you are finding that it's really impacting you this much, I would go to a doctor um, and just make sure that you're ruling out that there's not bigger issues. It could be IBS, uh, which is irritable bowel syndrome. Um, hopefully not irritable bowel disease, which is what colitis or Crohn's disease um, or other gastrointestinal issues. Um, I'm, not, it, I'm just saying, bottom line, I would make sure that there is not a greater medical issue that could be affecting you because it sounds like you are out of the, a little bit out of the realm of what 
is quote unquote normal. Um, and I would hate for you to not catch it early because it can take a while for these to be diagnosed to figure out. And it just seems like it's really impacting you in a negative way. Um, and so I hope that you can at least rule out that it's not something more serious. And if it's not, um, I often, my friend loves, I will post my <laughs> basket of Imodium and Cas X before longer races, because even though um, I am a lot better, I still do struggle with going to the bathroom a lot more than kind of the normal person. And so I do take Imodium. That's also signed off by my doctor um, as a means of kind of throttling back on how much I have to go. So this um, definitely first go to your doctor and then you can kind of use preventatives that are okayed by them. Yeah. So that was my gut reaction as well. And I don't have, well, other than a gluten issue, my first thoughts too, were if you've experimented with coffee and caffeine and fiber and you're not crushing like pounds of blueberries and going out for a run the next day and you've taken care of all of the obvious normal things that, yeah, talk to a doctor and make sure that you have everything um, sorted. And you can probably even get even more of the basics covered, like just testing for probiotics and prebiotics and making sure that everything is healthy in there as well. Um, and any allergies, like things that might be disrupting your guts. And then I know for me, like mine aren't perfect because of the gluten issues for years and things like that. And I just have to be like three days before a race, a specifically a long one, start cutting out fiber and adding in green, more greens powders instead and getting my vitamins and minerals that way. So there are little tips and tricks like that, but those are kind of your last thing. They don't really come into play until you have checked off that everything's totally healthy. And if you've tried every combination and are still having this, then yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like there might be an underlying issue. So I guess we'll leave it at, at that. I think at this point, because that has to be all sorted first, and then you can get into to testing out new things and, and maybe trying if there's anything that you eat every single day, anything that is totally a common ground, start by cutting that out and seeing if that does anything different um, after you've had testing or even now at the same time, right? So if you're eating a certain type of peanut butter or something random, um, it could be day after day, just upsetting your stomach and maybe you don't feel it right away. It's like a delayed reaction, which is what would have happened to me if I had gluten. I don't know immediately, but I would know later um, and sometimes up to a day later. So it's super hard to pinpoint. So anything that I had repetitively, I would take out and then see if things change. Um, sort of like an elimination diet, right? And it's a real pain in the butt, no pun intended, but you really do have to get detailed with this stuff because that's something that'll just bug you running forever otherwise. Yeah, and it's, I think that so often we tend to accept that things are the way they are and that we just learn to live with them and that we can't necessarily make it better. And it is a pain in the butt. And I'm the first to say that I often let things go. But when you start 
tinkering with things and fixing things and you realize it doesn't have to suck that much all the time. It's amazing how much easier running is, uh, living your life, not having to worry about where the bathroom is. And I'm saying this from a place of I have spent a lot of my life wondering where the nearest bathroom is. And now I've kind of gotten it a lot more controlled. I know how to deal with it so much better than I used to. And it's so fun being free when you run and not feeling chained to, I have to run this route because I know where the bathrooms are. Oh yeah. I had a, like I was saying, my friend that my roommate in high school had that same problem. And even Ikea's like we had to go to certain ones that had certain bathrooms. And so I feel for you for sure for that, but um, keep us posted on how that goes for you. If you do get testing, I'm, I'm interested to see follow up with that. So good luck with, with all of that. And actually, if anybody listening had similar situations, write me a DM too, and I can pass it on if you found something that maybe we forgot here. Just want to take a second to thank today's sponsor. Today is brought to you by Currents. So Currents is a natural running supplement made from New Zealand black currants with scientifically proven benefits for better recovery, better performance, GI support in the heat, and special fat metabolism effects. So this is something that I started taking particularly for the DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. And that was something that was kind of hindering my performance because the ability to get out and run efficiently after a strength training day was getting challenging. So I first heard this from Bailey, who was having very similar issues a few months ago and having taken them now for a couple of months, I'm really starting to feel the effects and it means that I can get more done and feel better. So they just launched in Canada and the USA and they're used by elite athletes across the world. It is the most researched black current band in the world with 40 plus independent published studies providing the range of health and fitness benefits. The best part is the three times faster recovery and 49% less muscle soreness. So you get a special deal of 20% off your first purchase of Curran's 30 capsules using the discount code TRW20, which you can redeem at currensusa.com, which I will link to in the show notes as well. Uh, last question. This one is really fun uh, from Lauren Andrews. So her question is for cycling is cross training. Is it best to train by power watts or like a real quotation cyclist, like a real cyclist, or is it best to train by heart rate or whatever feels more motivating to you? And to clarify, she means cross training for running as a primary sport by using a bike trainer. So our goal is to be a better runner, not to be a better cyclist. Well, I was going to say, we, we, we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on recording and basically you know, the goal is not to necessarily become a better biker, but heart rate between biking and running is not equivalent. Um, it's much harder, as Hillary said, it's much harder to get your heart rate up while you're biking. So if you are, say, training for zones, then um, you should reset your zones for biking versus running. They're not going to be the same. Um I would say, and I think Hillary and I both agreed on this. Sorry, I'm still <laughs> stealing your spot, but um, power is probably your most accurate way to measure effort levels in cycling uh, versus heart rate. And so if you're used to slash feel comfortable with measuring power, 
I would probably measure power over heart rate. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, you're probably using this again as cross training versus your primary source of, um, you know, doing uh, sprints or doing more intensity work. So it's probably less of a concern than um, if you were trying to be really good at biking. Yeah, exactly. So we did chat about it before. And we both had that initial reaction that. I also find there's so much variation in heart rate. And if you are improving your heart rate on the bike, what's happening is you're getting more efficient at riding a bike. And that is not directly transferable to your running. So that is great for cycling, but it's not the exact fitness that we want to change. And if you think you want to get stronger and maybe run hills better, and you then have a certain power watt that you're hitting, then it's way easier to measure that and say like, okay, now I need to increase the power and the watts that I can get to. And I think it's just a way easier way to measure that you are getting stronger. Whereas like heart rate, I would use if I wanted you to stay in a zone that meant you could run or sorry, ride your bike for X number of distance at X number of effort level. So it would be way more dialed into you being a good cyclist where power I think is just pure strength and it just happens to be measured on a bike. So that's my initial reaction for sure. But I mean, also Lauren did nail it kind of, if it, the difference is you're way more motivated by heart rate and that means you're going to get on the bike, that's step one. So by all means <laughs> go for that. But if you're getting on the bike either way, and then you want to have your choice, um, then I would go for Watts if possible. Yeah. Personally, sorry, old bikers. I find neither motivating. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to sit in your garage on a bike step one find a really good show or it's not i was gonna say find a great netflix show or your favorite <laughs> streaming platform you know what when i was training for iron man stuff like i loved being on the bike for a really long way and i got really addicted to the fact that i could go out for eight hours and go so far and it, i kind of came around to it but then once I started trail running, like I couldn't go back. And now I try to run for, or sorry, ride a bike for 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go home and get my e-bike. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> I also find this is, people are going to laugh at me, but I always find it hurts my legs. Like my legs hurt biking <laughs> so much so more than running. has to incorporate some squats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me, they're on the they're on the list. But yeah, I had not ridden a bike for a very long time. I mean, more than a stationary bike. And I got on my friend's beach cruiser in Hawaii. And I was like, did I forget how to ride a bike? What is happening? Um, yes. And beach cruisers are so hard because they have like one to maybe three speeds. So then you try to go up. And also the bike weighs like a million pounds. Um, so I kind of like that struggle because you're like, I'm really working to push this beast of a thing up any sort of hill yeah no it's definitely um, fun okay before we close fun. out here back to you personally so you're taking some time taking some off season you mentioned a golden ticket anything else for next year that you are you got your eyes set on yeah i would say um so i actually just put in the lottery for mount fuji 100 miler which I've, okay. yeah, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. I've always had that in the back of my, it's such an iconic race. Always kind of had that in the back of my head, kind of fits with timing. Uh, also 
very interested in Grand Raid, uh, Grand Reunion, Diagonal Defoe. I don't know why I keep, I think the series is called Grand Raid. Um, it, I've heard it's a massively technical, very hard race. Sounds super fun, super brutal. Um, and then, you know, I, th- ah, yeah, this leads to our other question. UTMB is on the docket. I do have some mixed, very mixed feelings about what has been happening. Um, so right now that is still on the radar, but I also feel very conflicted about, uh, and what we're to, why I feel conflicted is the situation with Wham, uh, Whistler, Alpine Meadows, and Gary Robbins, and the situation with UTMB. So that's kind of a to-be-determined I hope that there is some remedy that can happen. I hope that's still possible, but I am not um, not unconflicted about the situation there, and it is weighing on potential decision factors for next year. But Hillary, that's a lot closer home for you, quite literally. So I'd be curious uh, to hear your perspective on Wham in that situation. Yeah, I was thinking we would talk about this kind of at the beginning of the episode and then our intro went long. So I thought I would just add it in on my own after. Um, And you actually hit on an important point there that I think is interesting. So for those of you don't don't know, I mean, I, I probably already touched on this in the intro, but Gary Robbins had Whistler Alpine Meadows for years and was working forever and had to work through COVID to try to make this an amazing destination race because it really is. And Whistler is absolutely epic terrain. It is done in a way that you get to see the whole mountain. It's epically challenging, but also inclusive with the different distances. And there is Coast Mountain Trail series. Um, I actually said to his wife after like that 50K felt like one that could be one of the hardest 50Ks you've done if you were a really fast runner, but it was also one that you could train for if you were a mother of five and wanted to do your first 50K and have it be the hardest thing you've ever done. And that's the vibe of the race. So you get almost everything for everyone. And um, that was, she was like, yeah, that was the goal exactly, which like, it just is so much back to the community, which obviously we saw in the responses from people too. Um, But anyway, so what happened was Vale purchased Whistler and would not give permits for WAM last year. So in February of 2023, they announced that we wouldn't have a race this September of 2023 because they couldn't get the permits for Gary. And they had a variety of different reasons and things being unsafe and stuff that really was a bunch of bullshit because one of the things he did was also keep the cost inclusive. Um, and it turned out probably predetermined, I'm going to go ahead and say, was UTMB and Ironman were going to buy this race um, from Vale and do it themselves on the same weekend on the same courses. And it's just, there's no way around what happened. It's so obvious. And Gary obviously kind of panicked right away in not panicked, but was so angry because he did all this work and then it's going to get taken from him. And we thought local runners would be super angry and then everybody would forget and sign up anyways, because they want to run in Whistler because it's so great. Um, But instead the backlash and the support from the trail running community 
was probably way more than he thought. And if you go to the UTMB post, the comments are insane and like everywhere. And people are saying, okay, well, I'm never doing that race. And Gary is now putting on a local race in the, on the same weekend, which every single person around here is either going to run or volunteer at. So they're not going to get any volunteers for this race either. So obviously a hundred percent support that and going to Gary's race on that weekend. However, I do understand that that original UTMB course was, has been a goal for so many people, including some close friends of mine for so many years that I am like, I would never expect somebody who's worked forever to be able to take the time off work and run in a dream place for them because of something that happened later that didn't make sense. So 100% I'm going to boycott anything that's done in Whistler, but I have no judgment for somebody who's worked for years to get to UTMB to do that original course in Europe. And I don't think that makes you not supportive to say, I really want to get this, this race done and still not support anything further that they do. Um, so I, have, I do have mixed feelings on that particular aspect of the boycott, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's really hard. And I think it's particularly, and this is a small aspect of it, um, you know, as the the pro running circuit is focused around a lot of UTMB races and they're amazing races. I mean, UTMB purchased amazing races as well. So they're races that people want to do. Um, and so it's very difficult if you do want to make a living in the sport to not do UTMB races because that's how we're structured in many ways. Everyone is. Uh, So, you know, I think uh, for me, I would just love to see some kind of reconciliation and care put into um, that. I I mean, I'm not saying I expect that relationship to be healed, but just like acknowledgement and care that UTMB takes moving forward. I think that would be a huge step in building back the relationship because it was problematic. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. We see so many runners pointing that out and saying, this is not great. This is, you know, it goes against what we hope to be as a community. And so I I think there is a way that we can reconcile it, but I do think that there has to be some voice and some purpose behind what happens moving forward, if that makes sense. No, exactly. And that's exactly what I was thinking was this, people are like this stealing races from local race directors who are giving back to the community and literally making a living off of this, like it's their livelihood has to stop. And this probably was the biggest, most absurd kind of sleazy move that they could have done that everybody finally said, okay, enough. Like we're not running these races anymore until something changes. Um, So I do kind of understand that. And I'm hoping that this uproar, exactly like you said, that there's some sort of change for how things are done in the future, but they are going to lose a lot of registration for new races right now for sure and obviously they just all they did was change on the post like oh yeah thanks Gary for you know setting this whole thing up we'll take it from here um which isn't going to be enough so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out um 
but yeah, it, it has to change for the future. They can't just continue to eat up races and make them corporate. It's not how it's not going to work that way. Yeah. And I think it's going to become even more challenging to find the local support because I think anyone knows the volunteer that's giving you a watermelon, a cup of coffee, helping you with your feet. Those are not paid positions. And there is just not enough money in the ultra running world to have, nor do I think that would be truthful to kind of why we exist to have races fully supported by paid individuals. It is the willingness of people to come out and be at an aid station at three in the morning that makes ultra so special. And so I think that if we continue to alienate the local communities, then we're not going to have that element of racing that is so special to all of us. And really what makes, I think a lot of people continue past their perceived limitations. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. So what I think we'll do is I'll link to Gary's blog post on this um, in the show notes. So you can read because he talked about exactly what went down for the past year. Um, And then you can make your own, you can make your own opinion on it. So yeah, that's all. um, We're almost out of time here. So I think we got to go. I don't know if you could hear my kids screaming in the background. (laughs) I just took them for a drive, but let me just tell you, the few days after Halloween are a total shit show. So that's where we're at here from a personal standpoint. Oh, my gosh. My friend posted how much candy her two kids got. And I was like, you could open up a candy store with all of that. The the oh, sugar highs and lows would be really rough. It's insane. I already dropped off like the majority of it at the fire hall and was like, here you go. You grown men can have this. My four-year-old does not need this much. But anyways, but the letdown after a holiday, and I remember that feeling as a kid, it's just hard. Oh my gosh. I was always kind of a mess after all. Like the anticipation was way better than the actual event. But then the letdown was rough. The letdown is rough. So I try to have patience with him, but it's easy in the morning. By the evening, not that easy. I feel like this evening could be even even more rough. Yeah, uh, probably with the no sleep. So sweet, sweet. Um, okay, well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. If anybody wants to find you, plug your stuff. Yeah, you can find me, Theory in Motion. That's my Instagram. Um, I do have actually a few spots for coaching. Yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. You can email me a-k-a-m-o-s-1-3 at gmail. Uh, okay. And I'll link yeah. all that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, I totally just lost my train of thought there, but that's <laughs> that's awesome information I'm already wearing down. It's 8.30 in the morning and my brain's like, and we're shutting down. Uh, I almost said good thing it's Friday and then I realized it's Thursday. So I'm it's sorry. <laughs> Um, okay we're gonna leave it at that if anybody else has more questions for our next episode please find us on trail running women pod um and send dms there and yeah follow up if you have further questions of what we answered today and thank you all so much for your input Woohoo!